right, so we come to the end of, of this current series, The Signs of Life, Marks of Authentic Christianity, and we've talked about uh, by no means all of the marks of authentic Christianity and the signs of real spiritual life. That would be a much longer series than five weeks, but um, we have covered what I believe are absolutely foundational uh, and essential to have in place to understand and from, from that point to then build on uh, to the other signs of, of spiritual life and marks of authentic Christianity that we can find all throughout the Bible and work on all through our, our Christian lives and experience. And again, it, it all starts with that very first one we covered, a new heart and a new life, which we get exclusively through Jesus Christ. Without that happening, without that being in place, we've said it every single week, And I'll say it again, without that being true, nothing else is possible because everything hinges on that divine empowerment that we all need with which to go forward and and actually live out that Christian life in all the different areas. So very important that we all understand that. And as we come to the end of this series, today we're talking about servanthood, servanthood. You know, we all like and look for excellent customer service, right? Throughout our our world, throughout our life, we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of good service, and we all know what it's like to be on the receiving end of really, really bad service. And when we're on the receiving end of really, really bad service, we let everybody know about it, right? We tell people, don't go to that place. I got a really bad experience. Let me tell you all about it. We get on Facebook, you know, and we write a, our own little expert review, um, you know, and, and so we know what it's like to receive good service. We know what it's like to receive bad service, and everybody likes receiving good service. Everybody likes to feel valued and important, right? Uh, appreciated, and we like that expressed, especially when money is involved, when we're paying someone for a service, we like for that service to be done well. We're all alike in that way. And uh, one of my, my favorite examples of good service has been for a long time. Uh, it just To me, they just set the bar way, way, way high uh, and, and just keep setting it high is uh, Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. Not only because it's amazing food. I mean, it really is. And don't you wish in some small way, I mean, be honest, don't you wish in some small way they were open on Sundays? I mean, I mean, it's great that they're not. Praise the Lord for that, Stan. But it's like, come on, just, just one Sunday a month, you know? Um, but man, they, they, they get this thing right every time. They've always had good food, but for a long time, they weren't that much different in terms of the customer service experience than anybody else. They didn't really do anything that set them apart for a long time. But then... All of a sudden, they decided, you know what? We're going to raise the level of our customer service to the point where nobody else can touch us, where it's unparalleled. And so for a long time now, they do this thing where as soon as you pull up or as soon as you walk in, it's, hi, welcome to Chick-fil-A. How may I serve you? And they say that, all of them. How may I serve you? And instantly you're thinking, oh, wow, they get, this, they get this right. They're understanding they, that I'm coming in as a customer and they actually want to serve me. They want to get that right. And every time um, you say thank you to them, they say our pleasure or my pleasure. They're, they're letting you know it's our joy 
to provide for you. It's our joy to serve you. And then if you're eating in the restaurant, I mean, it's a fast food place. This doesn't happen in in fast food restaurants. They come and will take your tray for you and go and throw off, you know, your trash. And then they give you the little mints. I mean, McDonald's doesn't do that. I mean, that's a Chick-fil-A thing. They've got this thing right. They've got serving down. They've made it their strength. They've made it an art form, and it's just awesome. And uh, that is actually how we as Christians, following after our Savior, followers of Jesus Christ, bearing the very name that means little Christ, that's what Christian means, that's the type of attitude and mindset we should adopt. How may I serve you? And you means everybody. How may I serve you, my fellow human being? How may I serve you, my fellow brother or sister in Christ? How may I serve you, my family? How may I serve you? And then, then whenever that's recognized and, and received and shown gratitude for, our heart should say what, you know, what Chick-fil-A says. Hey, it's our pleasure. It's truly my joy, and that should be true of us. Um, and whether that's true or not, and whether we understand what serving means and the importance of it, whether we get it or not, whether we engage with serving, whether or not it's our heartbeat, whether or not we find joy and purpose and fulfillment in it or not, the truth is, just like Bob Dylan says in his song, Gotta Serve Somebody, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. You're safe. Not going to try that one. But um, his, it's a classic song from Bob Dylan. I don't know how you feel about Bob Dylan, whether you like him or not, whether you agree with him or not. That's, that's another time. But what he gets right in this song is, is just undeniable. Uh, you got to serve somebody. In the chorus, he just says this over and over throughout the song. Uh, he says, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil. It may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And he goes through all these examples. You know, you may be a CEO, you may be a president, you may be this or that, but no matter what you are or what you do in life, you've got to serve somebody because everybody does. And I like that. I agree with that. Everybody serves somebody. We either get to the point in our life where we realize that Jesus Christ alone is worthy of all of our service. As we received him as our Savior, we understand all that he's done for us, all that he's made true for us, and we say, it's my joy, my King, to serve you, and we, we adopt the attitude, and that's great, and that's where we all should get. But even if we don't get there, as this song says, and rightly says, we're all serving someone. And there's really, ultimately, only two choices in life for all of us. We either serve the Lord Jesus with our life, with our everything, and we serve other people through our serving of Him, or we serve the enemy. We serve His strategy. We serve His agenda and His goal by serving ourselves. really comes down to that. You either serve Jesus with your life, and you serve others as you're serving Him and unto Him, and your service to others really is just a result of you serving Him, or 
You live for yourself. You get everything you want. You go for the gusto. You grab life by the horns for yourself. It's all about you furthering yourself, making your own empire. And whether you would acknowledge it or not, all that gets received as service by our enemy Satan. It's really, that's, it's it. You serve the Lord, you serve the devil, the enemy, Satan. That's your choices. But everybody's going to serve somebody. And knowing that all of our lives will be spent in service one way or the other, I would hope that you would agree, even if just on principle, that it would be far better to know you're serving the Lord Jesus Christ than you're serving the great enemy, Satan. I mean, I would hope we would say, yeah, that's a no-brainer. And it's, it's on that principle that um, our local Bible college, ABC, long ago established their motto. I've always loved this motto. I mean, you have to understand, I grew up as a campus kid. Uh, my dad and mom worked there at ABC. My dad was a professor for 43 years uh, or something like that. Uh, my mom was there for close to that. Um, so I grew up as a campus kid. And so I heard this motto all my life. And we would go around to churches all over the country and, and uh, present the work for ABC, you know. And so I was there when we, we'd set up the big displays and the tables and there would be the motto. So, I mean, I had this kind of drilled into me all my life, but that doesn't stop me from still loving this motto. It's one of the best mottos ever. Uh, ABC's motto is, because life is for service. And, I mean, there's just nothing wrong with that, right? So they've decided we're going to be about that in everything we do. That's what's going to drive this ship. That's what, that's what our goal is, is going to come back to. That in everything we do, the answer is because life is for service. Why, why do you have this college, this little Bible college in Bradley, West Virginia of all places? Because life is for service. Why do you have all these specific programs, ministry-driven programs? Because life is for service. Why do you have this and have that and, and instill this in your students and drive this home? Because life is for service. They've decided that to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Christ, to be truly an authentic Christian means you say, my life is not for me. It's not for serving me. My life is for service to my King, to my Lord, to my Savior, to my God. And as I serve Him, I serve other people. And it's not a matter of, of I serve the Lord first and then I serve other people. It's other people are served as I am and because I am serving Jesus. See, what, what gets done vertically dictates what's done horizontally. That's how it works. Um, life truly is for service. But here's the thing we all understand and I know we all agree with, that being true doesn't make that easy. I mean, it's true. I think we, most of us will agree. Yeah, life is for service. I agree. Amen. That doesn't mean it comes easy or that it is easy because none of us 
find a life of service, self-denial, serving Jesus first and foremost, and, and serving others through our service to Him, saying no to me and yes to, to others, none of us find that easy, naturally, humanly speaking, right? None of us. That, that doesn't just come automatically. Like, oh yeah, serving others, that's no big deal. You know, finding pleasure and joy in serving other people, that doesn't just happen. That doesn't just come about. It's hard. It goes against our human nature. It's counterintuitive. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus calls all of us to. That's what he says it means to be a follower of him. That's what it means to be in him. And um, there was this one passage uh, in the Bible, it's in Matthew, and um, it's, it's towards the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And um, you, have, uh, you have James and John, and um, you have other disciples, and they're arguing about who is going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven when Jesus you know, ushers in his kingdom, who's going to be the greatest one out of the twelve. And uh, James and John's mother actually has enough gall to come to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, can you please insist and, and go ahead and just um, install my sons to sit one in your left hand and one in your right? Can you just go ahead and just guarantee they're gonna, my boys are going to be raised up to the point of elevation and honor with you? I, that would just do a mother's heart proud. Can you do that for me, Jesus? And they were like, yeah, 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 we, that's what we want. Go, Mom! And all, all the other disciples started fighting and arguing with them. They were like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you guys? What, what makes you qualified to be the place of honor? What about me? And they started arguing about this. And this is right after Jesus has, has taught them about the kingdom. And he said, guys, I'm getting ready to go to the cross. I'm getting ready to be betrayed. I, all this serious stuff's going to happen. And all they could occupy their mind with is who's going to be greatest. <laughs> and we can shake our heads and we can sigh and, and you know, put our hand, hands on our forehead, but... We need to find ourselves there, because if we're honest, that's, that's what comes easy. That's what comes naturally. It's not you, then me, that comes naturally. It's me, and then me, and then me. You know, We're like those, those seagulls in Finding Nemo. Mine, 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 mine. That's how we roll. That's, that's life for us. And it makes it that much more important for us to hear and heed what Jesus said to his disciples uh, after they had their little arguing match um, in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28 is where we're going to pick up uh, after I describe that, uh, that little context for you. Um, Matthew chapter 20 and uh, verse 25 So um, after, after that little issue, Jesus called them over. He called all the guys. He said, "Guys, come here. We we got to talk. We've got to. I've got to explain some things to you." Verse twenty-five. Jesus called them over and said, "You know that the rulers of the Gentiles. You know that, and that's a euphemism for the lost, for those outside of Christ. They they lord it over them. The rulers of the Gentiles. They they lord their position over them. They they let everybody know I'm the boss. You know that's how this works." He says. And those in high positions act as tyrants over them, dictators. It must not 
be like that among you. He says, you guys are called to something different than that. That's how the world operates. That's how the world acts. You know, it's, it's top-down leadership. It's I'm the boss and you're under me. You're the subordinate, no question about it. He said, that's how the world operates and runs, and we, we see that today too. We can say, yep, that's exactly right. That's how the world functions. He said, but it must not be like that among you. My followers, my disciples, has to be different for you than that. And then he explains what that means, what that's going to have to look like. Here's what this looks like, he says, to be in me, to be followers of me. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Then he gives them a very personal example and a standard by which to measure themselves and to compare themselves. Don't compare yourselves to one another in this. I want you to look to me to see this example because look what it says in verse 28. Just as everything I've described, I'm not calling you or telling you to do anything that I myself am not doing. Verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's talking about himself. So guys, you, you need to understand, this, this greatest thing, this being first thing, it's, it's totally upside down from how the world operates, but really you'll find it's, it's right side up. That if you want to be great in the kingdom, you want to be first, you've got to be last. You've got to put yourself last. You've got to let others be ahead of you. You've got to serve them. It's all about service because life really is for service. And I'm not telling you anything, guys, that I'm not willing to do myself and that I haven't done already. It's why I came. I came from heaven, from my throne, to serve and to give my life in the ultimate service as a ransom for many. But like so many other things with Jesus, this wasn't just words. It wasn't just talk. Um, Jesus gave all of his disciples, the original ones here around this time, uh, as well as us today, he gave us all a powerful, beautiful, unparalleled example of servanthood in action. Right before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to be betrayed, right before he went to the cross, at the, the Last Supper, which became the first Lord's Supper, you guys are familiar with that passage and that story, where after supper, Jesus took off his outer clothes, and he had a basin of water brought, and one by one, down to the last man, when he got to Peter, he actually had stooped down and taken a rag or a sponge or whatever, grabbed their dirty, smelly, nasty feet. I mean, feet are nasty anyway, aren't they? But I mean, think about right at, before the first century. I mean, they didn't have Jordans. They didn't have Dockers. You know, they didn't have shoes that covered the foot. They had open-toe sandals in dirty, dusty streets where 
all the animals just did whatever they needed to do right then and there, and, and you're walking around in all that all day long. I mean, feet were gross. And here you have Jesus stooping down. You have, think, think about this. You had the creator of all things. You had the creator of feet grabbing feet in his hand, washing them with water that he at that moment was holding the molecules that made water water together because he holds all things together by the word of his power. So you had the creator of everything taking feet that he had fashioned and formed and washing them from all their dirt and grime with water that he was holding together and water that in its most powerful state was about to sink those disciples earlier on and he just said, stop it. And it stopped when they said, what manner of man is this? He's the God-man. He's the maker and sustainer of all things. And yet he was so humble and so passionate about service that he stooped down to wash his own disciples' feet as a picture, as a pattern of what it means to truly be in Christ and part of his kingdom. Look at what he says about this. In John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verses 12 through 16, after he did that, says this, When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? Do you, do you comprehend? Do you really get what I did there? Do you understand what that picture was all about? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that's what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Truly, I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. Now, I'll go ahead and just tack on 17. If you know these things, you, you hear this, you understand it, you comprehend it, you are blessed if you do them. There's really what James says, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers also. See, Jesus wasn't saying, all right, guys, uh, I've washed your feet. That'll last you a couple days. I want you to then to go ahead and just make this a regular practice, just wash each other's feet. Uh, every day, do this. That's not what he was saying. He's saying, I've given you a picture. I've given you a visual aid of the concept of servanthood that you see ultimately in me that you as my followers and as my messengers need to go forth and go out from this and adopt as your way of life. This needs to be your mindset, guys. This needs to be in your heart as it is in mine. That nothing is too low for you. That there's nothing in life where you will say, nope, sorry, I'm too good for that. 
I'm too good to serve in that way. I am too exalted in my position to, to be able to lower myself to that point. I have too much expertise to be asked to do something that menial. He's saying there's nothing in your life where that can be said because I, your Lord and teacher, the creator of all things, the one that's getting ready to go to the cross for you, I am willing to make myself lower than anyone else. And if I'm willing to do that for you, there should be nothing you are not willing to do for anyone else. And that is true for all of us today. There should be nothing off the table, nothing off the list. Nothing where we say, oh, that's asking too much. That's beneath me. When we have a Savior who did all that he did for us and who continues, if you think about it, continues to serve us day in and day out. You know that the Bible says that Jesus, after he ascended to the Father, he didn't just stop doing something. The Bible says in Hebrews that he ever lives to intercede for us. That means he is still serving you and me as our great intercessor at the right hand of the Father. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. He never stops serving. Never stops serving. And he gave us, at the moment of our salvation, he gave us all um, specific gifts and abilities with which we are to serve. He gave us different things that we can do that, that are unique to us. You know, there's things that, that he called me to do that he didn't call you to do, but he called you to do things that he didn't call me. And he equipped you and empowered you with things that he didn't do for me and likewise. But at salvation, we are all given this, this divine skill set with which we are to serve in the kingdom as well as those outside of the kingdom. I want you to, to look with me at the book of First Peter. First Peter, chapter four, verse 10 and also verse 11. First Peter 4:10 and 11. Here's what it says: "Just as each one, that's very important, each one, that's each believer each person to give their life to Christ, each person that receives Him as Savior and Lord. Just as each one has received a gift, it's fact. It's not open for debate. It's undeniable, undisputable. Every believer has been given a spiritual gift. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to exalt yourself. Use it to advance your own agenda. Use it to put yourself on display. Use it to go out and get what you want, when you want it, how you want it. You, no. Use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. God has given grace. God has given gifting to every believer, as, and it's meant to be stewarded, managed well on his behalf, for his agenda, for his purpose. Verse 11, there's some examples. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. Some of your translations will say as the oracle of God. So if anybody's been given the gift of speaking, let him do it as one who is truly just putting forth the very words of God. 
If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides. We're all weak at some point and in some way, but we can all have access to this divine strength and use it. It says, use God's strength as you serve so that, here's the whole reason for our gifting, the gifts we receive, the whole reason for us being about service is this, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. In other words, in all we do, everything we do should be about bringing glory to God through Jesus, whom we serve first and foremost and always. And so as I serve others, I've got to have this mindset that my service to others in this way or in that way, my serving in this area of life or in that area of life, it starts with Jesus, it's for Jesus, and it ends with Jesus. And everybody else that benefits from my serving is just a result of my serving Him. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. My friends, what that means, my fellow brother and sister in Christ, if you're, if you're here and you are truly an authentic Christian and you have the marks of authentic Christianity in your life, on your life, this is, is the last area that we are covering in this series, but it is certainly not the least. Servanthood must be a mark on your life and defining your life if you are truly an authentic believer. It has to be part of your DNA. Has to be. Because Jesus didn't save you to sit. He saved you to serve. That's what we have to all understand. If, if you've come to Christ, you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, Jesus did not save you just to sit. He saved you to serve. He didn't save you to be a spectator on the sidelines of kingdom work watching everybody else do the, the work of serving and either cheering them on or pointing out to them all the ways in which they're wrong, which we do all too easily. But He didn't save you to be a spectator. He saved you so that you would be an active servant. You were saved so you could get into the game and actually make an impact for the kingdom. Outside of the church walls, Think Thanksgiving basket outreach. Think Operation Christmas Child outreach. Think all the other outreaches that we do and all the ones we could do more. Outside the church walls, that's part of it. That's serving in the kingdom. But as well as inside the church, that's very important. We can't exclude serving in the body just for the, the sake of serving outside the body. Nor can we do the opposite. We can't be so inward focused that we ignore the outward. It's about balance. Serving outside the church walls and inside the church walls. You know, we have a lot of ministries in this church, and we have a lot of people who are active in serving, faithful in serving, week in, week out, who have done it year in, year out. And I am I'm just so grateful for you. And um, here's what I want to do. You're not going to like it because you just never like this kind of thing. But um, if you currently actively serve in this church in any ministry capacity, if you actively serve in any way in this church, I want you to stand up. Go ahead, please. Stand up. If you serve in any way, any, any way at all, okay, 
All right? Everybody look around. Here's what I'm going to do, truly, from my heart. Thank you. Thank you. You guys can be seated. And here's the thing. If you didn't stand up, no buckets of water are going to come over your head. You know, there's no device planted in your seat that's going to hurt you or harm you. Uh, I'm not going to try to, you know, make you feel bad or judge you or anything like that. I'm just going to say this. Come on in. The water's great. If you're, you know, if you're not, if you're here and you consider Faith Baptist your church home, whether that's as an official member or maybe you haven't gone the membership route yet, but you've, you've been coming here for years and you would say, yeah, this is my church. If that's true of you and yet you've not served in any capacity or any way, you've not jumped into serving, you haven't connected in that way here at this body, I just, I just want to call on you to do that. I want to see people in our church that say, yes, Faith Baptist is my church home. I love it. I love going to actually go farther and jump into some serving. And of course, we want you to go even a step beyond that and become a member of the church. Yeah, absolutely. I would love that. But if it's just not the right time for you for whatever reason, that's okay. There's still ways you can contribute and participate in serving Jesus and serving the body as you're serving Him. All right? But let's not continue to just leave the work of serving and the work of the ministry to all those people that just stood up. And you know what else? There's a lot of other people downstairs that aren't in these seats so that you could be in these seats. There's a lot of people who every single Sunday, many times, week to week to week to week, and doing two or three things different things simultaneously or in the space of their time here every week that hardly ever get to sit in this seat and praise God in song with you and hear a message in person because they're down there sacrificing and serving also that you can be up here. There is an army of servants that just keep taking on more and more and more and do two or three things instead of even just one thing all the time because, just to be frank, we just simply don't have enough people in the ministries we have so that everybody gets an even time, even rotation, even share. And, and that's, that just creates an attitude of entitlement. And that communicates a very selfish spirit that I don't think any, you really want to have. I don't think that's your desire. And, and so a way of fighting against uh, that entitlement and against communicating a selfish spirit that, that you don't really feel, a big way of doing that is jumping into service and allow other people who serve tirelessly to actually come and benefit from being here in our, in our worship service. Okay, So think about those things. And in all of this, it all comes back, as I said, to knowing that Jesus Christ is worthy. Jesus Christ is worthy of our service. He is worthy of our servanthood. After all that He has done for us, after the example He gave us, if we truly say we're followers of Him, then we should be living out that example ourselves. We should be picturing what He pictured for us. It's what we're called to, and it's all about Him and all that we do. 
Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this series that we've been able to, to look together uh, in your word at, at what truly does mark an authentic Christian. And Father, by no means is this it. There's so many more things that we can glean from your word and discover. Um, But Father, these are certainly very important aspects of authentic Christianity, and we need to have these things to be true of us, uh, or really nothing else will matter. And so I pray that that what we've been able to, to go through together in this series, that you will continue to apply it to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. I pray if there is anyone here that is yet to receive Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, that they would make that all-important commitment today, that they would receive from you that new heart and new life that you've promised to everybody who comes to you through your Son, Jesus, by the power and indwelling of your Holy Spirit. And then we can serve you, and then we can live for you in all the other areas. Father, I thank you for the example of your Son in in being the ultimate servant to us and for us. Thank you that he still serves us right this moment as he's there at your right hand, pleading for us, interceding for us. And Father, looking at him and seeing his life of servanthood that truly did define everything he was about, oh, Father, there there is certainly no way we can in our right mind say, oh, I won't do that. I, I can't serve in that way. There should be nothing left off the table. Father, thank you for all these people who serve in our church, who actively serve in some way, in some capacity here at this church. There's so many different ministries that you've entrusted to us, and we need people to have those things operate well. We, we want to do everything we do here at this church with excellence for you because you're worthy. And doing things with excellence requires a team of people. So thank you for those who faithfully serve week in, week out. Thank you for those who are downstairs right now serving our children and serving the parents of those children. Father, I I pray that you would raise up more people to, to be part of the serving team at this church. For your glory and for your honor, and for the benefit of this body, so that we can all share together in the serving, which is what you intend. It's what you desire. It's what you design. May we all be faithful to that, because truly, Father, the life we have received from you, the life we find in Christ, really is all for service. Help us in that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.